Um, it's normally at this point that I, I stand and then we uh, open the scriptures for 45 minutes and sometimes I go longer. And, um, um, but today is going to be a little bit different with presenting our finances. You can consider our message today have three points. I'm going to speak a first point, 15 minutes or so, and then Ray's going to come, speak a second point, and then our third point will be the Lord's Supper, just uh, reflecting upon thanking the Lord. So I just wanted to spend some time before Ray would come and just present our, our finances and, and where things are, that um, we can face some difficulties. Um, because you can easily think that a presentation about finance is all about the numbers. Okay, so like where, where are the numbers and what's, what's here? And, and what happens is then you, you put on your accountant hat and you take off your worshiper hat. And, and what I want to spend 15 minutes thinking about is that we would, we would have our worship hat on. Uh, we at Rock Valley Bible Church believe that giving is an act of worship. And seeing how the Lord has provided for us a church family, that's an act of worship as well. And so I want us just to prepare our hearts for that. And to do so, I want to just pull some things from Scripture from Deuteronomy chapter 6. So if, if you want to, you can open your Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter 6, page 151 in your pew Bibles. And Deuteronomy is, is a book that... Um, that records Moses' last sermons. Um, just as the people of Israel were preparing to enter the promised land, he had some, some counsel and advice to them as they would go and enter. And some of the most famous words are here in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4 and following. Look at it there. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. And you shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. And you shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets on between your eyes and you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. So really, it's a simple call to Israel is to obey the Lord with, with all their lives. But, but it goes deeper than that. It's a, it's a love from our innermost being, with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with, with all of our mind. It is indeed the, the greatest of commandments. Isn't that what Jesus called this? Right? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength is the greatest commandment, he said in Matthew chapter 2, 22, verses 33, 34 to 40. And we could spend a lot of time, I've preached in this passage on a number of occasions, just looking to the love that God requires of us and looking at the meditation that God calls of us to have God's word on our heart and on our mind and the scripture reading and teaching that God requires of us, teaching it to our children and, and reading them and putting them on our, on, our, on our heads and on our hands, just symbolic of how it's on our hearts all the time. But this morning we're going to look past these words and we're going to begin in verse 10 because I, I think that they're pertinent to us this morning as we think about where we are financially as a, as a church Begins this, Moses writes, verse 10, And when the Lord your God brings you into the land that he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give you, with great and good cities that you did not build, and houses full of all good things that you did not fill, and cisterns that you did not dig, and vineyards and olive trees you did not plant, and when you eat and are full, take care, lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery." You know, Moses knew the human heart. He knew the propensity that we all have to become absorbed in the physical blessings of life and to forget 
the giver of those blessings. Really, this is the downfall of America. God has blessed our nation with material wealth far beyond any nation that has ever existed on this planet. And you go back to, say, Israel, their history, or you trace through the history of the ancient world from Babylon to Assyria to Medo-Persia to Greece to Rome, even the Holy Roman Empire. We are far more wealthy than they ever were. Or you think even currently, say it's Russia or Germany or England or, or China, even in their heyday, we in America stand as more wealthy than all of those nations. God has greatly blessed our, our country, and yet what's happened to us? What's happened to our country? Systematically, we remove God from the public square, becoming more and more secular every day, or to put it bluntly, to use the language of Moses, we have forgotten the Lord. We have forgotten the one who has provided us with all this wealth. We've forgotten the one who protected the pilgrims, who allowed us a unique geographic place here in America with no close enemies, with abundant resources now that we, with fracking, you know, we provide so much oil to us. We're talking energy independence now. But yet, God has given all that, and it has, he has been neglected, forgotten, not acknowledged, not given thanks to, not honored. And this was the fear of Moses. Now, now, the people of Israel is different than the people of America, right? We're not a Christian nation founded under theocracy. But they were. And, and Moses' fear for them is that same thing. That they were soon to enter this land that God had promised to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob. And the book of Genesis records all of that. In fact, you can, you can read through there several times. He promises to Abraham, I'm going to give you this land. I'm going to give you this land. I'm going to give you this land. He repeats it to Isaac once or twice. He repeats it to, to Jacob. And Jacob, even remembered his death, he said, oh, take my bones to uh, Israel. I want to be buried there. We're going back, is what he's saying. But God would give them the land. And Joshua, the next book right after Deuteronomy, just, you just go forward a couple pages and you see how they actually conquered that land. Conquering Jericho and conquering Ai. And conquering at Gilgal and splitting the land in two from north to south and then conquering the south and then conquering the north. And at the end of Joshua, this is what we read. Joshua 21, 43 through 45. Thus the Lord gave to Israel all the land that he swore to give to their fathers. And they took possession of it and they settled there. And the Lord gave them rest on every side, just as he had sworn to their fathers. Not one of all their enemies had withstood them, for the Lord had given all of their enemies into their hands. Not one of all the good promises that the Lord had made, the house of Israel had failed, all came to pass. Just look at the Lord's sovereignty there, is that, is that God swore to their fathers, and he gave them the land, and he gave them rest on every side. All of his promises came to pass. Moses here in Deuteronomy 6 knew full well that God's promises would come to pass, that they would conquer the land, that, and he knew what they would find. Look, look at verse 10. This is what they're going to find in the land. And when the Lord your God brings you into the land that he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and to Jacob, to give to you, here's what you're going to find. Great and good cities that you did not build, and houses full of good things that you did not fill. And cisterns that you did not dig. And vineyards and olive trees that you did not plant. You're going to find all of these things are going to be a 
an abundance of, of blessing to you. You're going to take over these houses. You're going to take over these cities. You're going to take over these cisterns of water provided for you. You're going to take over these plants and these crops, and you're going to eat of them. Incredible blessings given to them, but there was a danger, and the danger comes in verse 12. Take care lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. Now see, whenever we experience great material blessings from the Lord, it's always a danger to forget the Lord. It is easy to forget where it is that you've come from. Look at verse 12, even he says that you've come from the house of slavery. They were slaves in Egypt. And God brought them out of Egypt by his mighty hand. They wanted them never to forget what God had done to bring them out into their, their land. In fact, look over verse 20. This is, this is a great tender scene. When your son asks you in time to come, what's the meaning of the testimonies, the statutes, and the rules that the Lord has commanded you? Then here's what you should say to your son. And, and I can almost picture a father, a, a Jewish father, taking his son, putting him on his lap when the son asks that question. says, come here, boy. Let me just tell you. Here's what this law means. Here's, here's what these commandments mean. God was making a new nation. And he said this, verse 21, We were Pharaoh's slaves in Egypt. And the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. And the Lord showed signs and wonders, great and grievous, Against Egypt and against Pharaoh and all his household before our eyes. Right? And of course he's talking about the plagues. These great and grievous signs. Great in the scope of them. Darkness covers the whole land and locusts are coming and destroying everything. And the hail is coming and the pestilence is coming. But it's, it's grievous because it's striking so many of them. But it is the hand of the Lord clearly that is coming upon Egypt to, to demonstrate how powerful God is. And then he continued on. In verse 23... And God brought us out from there that he might bring us in and give us the land that he swore to give to our fathers. And the picture here is that we're sitting in the land. And he's brought us here. He's done all these signs to Pharaoh, brought us here. And here we are, given us all these commands. And verse 24, and the Lord commanded us to do all these statutes, to fear the Lord our God, for our good always, that he might preserve us alive as we are this day. And it will be righteousness for us if we are able and careful to do all that he commanded before the Lord our God as he commanded us. And perhaps all you know that scene as well when your children have come and you, you begin explaining to them because you can tell a, a similar story but different, right? Because we didn't come out of Egypt. We weren't slaves in Egypt to come into a land to possess, but spiritually everything is true. Maybe your child would ask, why do we go to church? What's the meaning of that? Why do we do that? A good thing you might say is this, is that, well, think about it. <clears throat> before church, before Christ, before Jesus came, we, we were, Ephesians 2, 11 through 13, we were Gentiles in the flesh, uncircumcision, despised by the Jewish people. Paul says, remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope without God in the world. Right? That, that, that we didn't know the promises of God. We were without hope of the Messiah. We were in peril. We were strangers to the promises. We were without God. We were without hope. But Christ Jesus came, and he brought us in. 
And we ones who are far off and brought near by the blood of Christ. The blood of Christ has brought us to God. And, and where else can we go but to church? And what else can we follow but the commands he's given to us? And what else can we believe but his word? Because in his mercy God sent his son not only to the Jews but also to us Gentiles as well. And he's brought us into relationship with him. And so, son, let us never forget that. But I just say how easy it is. How easy it is for us to forget. I don't write on my blog very often, though I need to start picking it up a little bit. But I wrote on a blog entry this week about first world problems. Maybe some of you kicked into your emails, I'm not sure. But these are the problems that come to privileged individuals who have no worries of food, shelter, clothing, finances, just first world sort of problems. Right? It's, it's the first world problem is the owner of the yacht who bemoans the cost of upkeep. Like, oh, I can't believe how much this yacht costs to keep up. I mean, there's, there's storage costs, and every year I've got to paint it, and then I've got to clean it, and then I've got the motor, I've got to service that. This, this is terrible. And they charge an arm and a leg down there at the marina. It's like, dude, you got a yacht. Or this is the, the problem of the Porsche owner who makes a fuss because a can of soda was spilled in the backseat of the car. Dude, you have a Porsche. Why are you complaining about that? You certainly can take it down. Someone can detail it for you without a problem. That's a first world problem. First world problem is those of the vacation home, right by the lake, right by, just walk out the door and 20 steps and you're there at the beach who complain that the sand is messing up their, their house because it comes in from the beach. You've got a vacation home by the beach. What are you complaining about the sand coming in? Those are first world problems. And those who complain seem oblivious to their wealth. And you see, it doesn't matter where we are. We, all, we always adjust our, our levels of complaint to whatever's come our way. And those of us who have first world problems have things that most of the world can only dream of having. We have no right to complain of these at all, and yet we do. We've been incredibly blessed. That's why Psalm 103 tells us, forget not all his benefits. God has given Jesus to us, since we're going to get into Romans, who did not spare his own son, but deliver him up for us all. How will he not also with him freely give us all things? That God has given us Jesus, what, what more is he going to withhold? Nothing. And so I just want to think about these themes and apply it to our church. In a few moments, Ray's going to come and explain how incredibly blessed we are as a church. As a church, we have a building that we're in right now. We have met our budget. We have a surplus. And our challenge at Rock Valley Bible Church, even over all the years, has been to be faithful stewards of what God has given to us, of what you all have given. And um, for those of you who come to Rock Valley Bible Church in recent years, all you've known is this nice building. Now, it's getting nicer, okay? The, the, the foyer area was, was cleaned up and reju- rejuvenated, and we're going to next proceed here on the auditorium at some point when the finances come. Um, all right, we're working to make it nicer and nicer all the time. But, but maybe you've come here in the past five years, seven years or so, and you've come, and this is just always what, what we have. But you need to realize what it was like seven years ago when... We, we had no building. Now, we weren't slaves in Egypt, okay? But 
It would do well for you, maybe you can do that over our lunch today, it would do well for you who were here at that time to remind those who weren't here at that time to say, you know what, there's kind of inconvenient. We had uh, set up each week. We had no place for midweek meetings, so we just met in homes all around. We had no visible presence in the community, no resources to share, to benefit, to bless the community, to reach out to them in that way. We had a lack of future stability because we didn't have a permanent place, and all these things have come. And and when all of a sudden you realize where you were and what God has given, it puts what we have in, in a new light. But now we have a building, and just like Israel is given a land, their tendency is to forget God's blessing upon them, and and it is our tendency as well. And I, I just want us to think about that, that when we, we come and hear how we've done financially as a church, just, just we're thankful to the Lord. And, and it's interesting, you threw Deuteronomy 6 and Deuteronomy 7 and Deuteronomy 8 and Deuteronomy 9. There's several other times this similar theme comes up. Look at chapter 7 and verse 6. You are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession. Out of all the peoples around the face of the earth, that God chose Israel. And, and, and he says, here's why. Okay? It's not because you were so good or meritorious. That's what he said. It, it was not because you were more number than all the other people that the Lord set his love on you and chose you. For you are the fewest of all peoples. But it's because the Lord loves you and is keeping the oath that he swore to your fathers, the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of slavery, from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. So in other words, what he's saying is this, is don't, don't get prideful in of yourselves. Because God chose Abraham. He was least. He was only one guy. It wasn't because you're so numerous or so powerful. He chose one guy, promised to him, and then was faithful to his blessings. And, and so likewise with us, it's not because we are it's anything special or numerous that God has chosen to bless us. Chapter 8, kind of a similar thing. Look at chapter 8, verse 11. It simply says this. And again, kind of the same thing. Look at verse 10, right? And you shall eat and be full, and you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land that he has given you. But in that day, right, take care lest you forget your God by not keeping his commandments, his rules, and statutes, which I have commanded you today. Similar thing. You give in the land, but don't forget the Lord. Um, look at over at chapter 9. I mean, and here, here's, here's pride. Right? Verse 4. Do not say in your heart after the Lord your God has thrust them out before you. It's because of my righteousness that the Lord has brought me in to possess this land. Whereas it is because of the wickedness of the nations that the Lord is driving them out before you. It's not because of your righteousness or the uprightness of your heart that you're going to possess their land, but because of the wickedness of their nations that the Lord your God is driving them out from before you and that he may confirm the word that the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Verse 6, Know therefore that the Lord your God is not giving you this good land to possess because of your righteousness, for you are stubborn people. Remember and do not forget how you provoke the Lord your God to wrath in the wilderness. And there's just the same idea, right? When you come in, have a right mindset. Just have a, have a thankful mindset. Have a submissive mindset. Have a, a, a grateful mindset. Not a complaining mindset. When you forget the blessing, how natural it is to complain. Right? When you forget the blessing, how natural it is to complain. 
Uh, look at verse 16, and I bring up this complaint because that's what God brought up. Verse 16, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test as you tested him at Massa. I'm not sure if you know the story of Massa, but the Jews got it, it, it driven, it brought the Jews out of Egypt, right? So all those ten plagues. He had the miracle of the, then the e- Egyptians were following after them and the miracle of the cloud between them to protect them. And then the crossing of the Red Sea and the miracle that they crossed on dry land, but when the Egyptians pursued it, they drowned and were finished, so there's no more people to pursue after them. And they're in the promised land. I'm sorry, they're in the wilderness, on their way to the promised land, and they just happen to be thirsty. They're in the desert. They happen to be thirsty. And so what do they do? They complain. They complain. Rather than trusting, rather than saying, God, look at what all God has done. He'll surely provide somehow. I don't know. He's going to make the bitter water sweet. He's going to bring the water out of the rock. Or, or they were hungry and they complained. That's why God provided the manna. But know that their first instinct was to complain first rather than to trust and rejoice in the Lord. And in fact, it's interesting that there, there are times in the reading of the Pentateuch, and you, you've read this perhaps, that, that they wanted to return. Oh, we want to go back to Egypt. We had it better out there than we had it in freedom. We'd rather be slaves than be free. Even after the plagues and the clouds and providing manna and the water. You can read the whole story in Exodus 15 through 17. And he called it Massa. Right? A time of testing and quarreling and complaining. And I just say this. In light of the great ways which God has blessed us here at Rock Valley Bible Church, we have no right to complain. But today is a day of of really rejoicing and celebrating and giving thankfulness. Because God has blessed us. And, and as you listen to Ray tell the way that God has provided, I want you to come with thanksgiving and worship. And, and it is interesting. I'm not sure you caught the whole, the whole flavor of, of how it's God giving the land, God giving the land, and God coming in and giving the land. It's, it's, it's kind of all, all over these, um, these verses. But you say, okay, well, who was given the land? Who fought for it? It was Israel who fought, right? They're the ones who took up the sword and the spears, right? And, and fought and drove those people out. And yet, totally, it was God who'd given. So likewise, right? You, you're the ones who've given. And you're the ones who financially contributed. And you're the ones who have reached out to people and served people and loved people. And yet, fundamentally, it is God who has given. Because he's given to us first that we might just give back to him. And so this is an opportunity to rejoice in God with thanksgiving and worship as, as Ray comes and presents where we are.